Koppel, host of the Time for Coffee podcast, where you get firsthand career advice into the jobs and industries that interest you the most. And before we start today's show, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you haven't already, I'd be incredibly grateful if you give us a rating and a review on iTunes. And if you're like me, you need to do it now because you'll forget later and because it's the best way to help others who may be in search of career advice to find this free resource. So press pause if you haven't done it and do it right now. I'll wait. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Hey there, Java Junkies. Welcome to another K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. By the way, K-Cups come in three sizes, single, double, and triple shots, or roughly one minute, five minutes, or ten minutes in length. So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini-episodes of T4C can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug, because it's time for a caffeinated career triple-shot K-Cup with my guest, Cara Golden. What was your first role? At AOL, Kara, and you eventually made it, of course, to vice president of e-commerce and shopping. But where did you start? Yeah, well, when I moved, I, I met my husband in New York and we moved out to San Francisco. Uh, he actually wanted to do technology law. And so that's what pulled us out to San Francisco. It's funny. I remember thinking, I always believed in brands. I believed that if you found a brand that you enjoyed, that you wanted to use the products or the services, there had to be people there that would gel with you in some way. So the only brand that I thought of when I thought about San Francisco was Apple. I had an Apple computer when I was in college in all of my journalism classes. I had read everything I could read about Steve Jobs. So ideally, I wanted to get a job with Apple. But unfortunately, they were based in Cupertino. Driving from San Francisco, where I was living, to Cupertino is about 100 miles. And I thought, that's probably not going to be doable. Maybe one day, but not every day. As I was doing research for trying to figure out whether or not I could work at Apple, did they have any offices closer to San Francisco, that's when I stumbled upon the startup that was incubated inside of Apple called Two Market. That's where that actually came in between CNN and America Online. This idea was actually incubated by Steve Jobs inside of Apple. They were taking graphics from retailers and putting them on this disk. And Steve said, all you have to do is tell the consumer to put it in the machine. And what will happen is that the consumer will upgrade their machine. The graphics will actually load onto the hardware. The consumer doesn't need to know all the technology behind it. It just will happen while things like dial-up were trying to get faster. It would be a dream to have the connection that we have today. We didn't have that. The days were if your brother in the next room 
picked up the phone or your roommate, then you'd be disconnected from your computer. You never could get graphics across a machine. And while I was reading about this company, I saw that they were based in San Mateo, which wasn't inside of San Francisco, but it was slightly closer. So I thought, I'm going to pick up the phone and call the person who's quoted in the article. So I did that. He said, what have you been doing in New York? And I said, I just moved here. I'm fascinated by your company. I was at CNN and I just left and I moved out here and I might stay at CNN in one of their satellite offices. But I think more than anything, I'm trying to figure out what's next. And he said, why don't you come down for coffee? He said, I'd love to hear about your experience in working at CNN. The first question he asked me was, what was Ted Turner like? What's it like working for an entrepreneur who has a vision for making big things happen when they're not happening yet? I said, you know, I was going to ask that question. That's what I wanted to know. You had worked at Apple for Steve Jobs. And I'm so curious, like, what was it like? It's funny because at the end of our coffee, that's when he said, we are trying to figure out how to make money on this product. It was a CD-ROM. It was called Two Market. And I said, wait, you guys don't make money yet? I mean, this is crazy. This is all I've been hearing about at CNN, that everybody's interested in making money. And that was, we were selling advertising and it was all about making money. And he said, no, we don't make money yet. And I said, how are you paid? And he said, well, we have investors and equity. And I had this whole new world was opened up for me. And so one of the investors was America Online. When I left the office, he sort of softened asked me if I'd be interested in joining. And I thought, what in the world would I do? I, I'm not an engineer. I'm not a product manager. I know nothing about this other than the fact that I'm a consumer and I love to shop and I know who the retailers are that we should get on this disc. The rest is history. And about a year and a half later, America Online acquired us. They were an investor. And that's how I got to AOL. And so I was essentially doing what I was doing for running all the business development for this company to market for America Online, just on a larger scale. And it's funny, when I think back on that role, I mean, it was... Nobody thought that e-commerce, we called it, not direct-to-consumer. Nobody thought that it was going to be happening. This is by the time when AOL ended up acquiring us, it was 1996-ish, early 97. You know, we were running around, going out to retailers, trying to get them to be on this online service that consumers were paying to be a part of. I didn't even have any budget or revenue numbers. And when I first got there, I mean, it was just go out and sell and try and get people to be a part of this. And then seven years later, it was a billion dollars in revenue to AOL. And as you mentioned, all my former companies came together in one including my husband was an attorney at Netscape. And so his company all came together. It was crazy. That was what I was doing and what I was busy doing. I mean, little did I know that those were the early days of direct-to-consumer and very historical in so many ways. But when I was living it, I had no idea. One of the things that really jumps out to me, Cara, as you talk about your courage in reaching out to people you don't know, you didn't know, and the fact that you were researching before you ended up reaching out to some of these folks. It makes me think about 
the importance of transferable skills. And it's so easy for people to focus on the fact once you did get into the beverage industry that you'd never been, quote unquote, an entrepreneur, but you had lots of transferable skills. I'd love you to talk about how majoring in journalism and maybe some of these prior jobs that you had in the media and in tech helped you crack the code on one of your early big challenges at Hint that involved extending the shelf life of Hint to 18 months, which was like mind blowing for someone to consider doing without using preservatives. Yeah. You know, it's, again, it's it, as Steve Jobs used to say, the dots eventually connect. I mean, when you, I think the tech industry, the, the world that I was living in that I didn't realize at the time, the interesting thing about tech is that you never hear the words that's impossible. And when I got to the beverage industry, I kept hearing from people who had beverage experience when I wanted a product that didn't have preservatives in it. And I wanted to create that. And I would also hear not just from beverage entrepreneurs and executives, but also people who were actually producing the product. So co-packers, this, we might say that something's impossible, but it's usually because it just hasn't been done yet. And so in tech, you have this mindset that I think the reason why they never say it's impossible is that there's a recognition that goes on that things are possible. They just aren't being done quite yet. And I took that experience and that mindset and brought it in to what I was trying to do and starting Hint. So even though I was surrounded by people who, who were living in their own box around this can't be done coming from a different industry where I thought they might be right but I might as well try and what's the worst that could happen I always viewed trying as something that could actually be a really great thing there's a possibility that I could fail but if I fail then hopefully I'll learn some things along the way hopefully I'll Maybe I'll find some new interests. Maybe I'll meet some new people too. And I also always believed that I didn't want to be the best in the room. I still believe that, right? I, I think that there was always this thinking growing up, even especially in sports teams that I was a part of. I, I always valued when I wasn't the best one on the team because I always thought that there was like a lot of pressure to be the best. And instead, I wanted, especially when I was on teams like gymnastics teams or running teams, I wanted people to be better than I was at something because I could watch them. And I could admire and I could learn from them. And I could be inspired by them. And so I think that there was this, there was a lot of that thinking going on that sort of kept my curiosity going and that I thought I'm surrounded by so many people that know so much more than I do. And I think in many ways coming from the tech industry where I felt like 
we were defining things. We were doing things that everybody viewed as impossible. And now they were possible, like direct-to-consumer, the early days of direct-to-consumer. I thought, it's time for me to go back down to the bottom. I don't really care about the title. I don't really care about those things. I want to go low. And I, I stumbled into an industry that I knew nothing about. And I was amazed at the way that things were getting done. And I could learn a lot. Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of T4C. And if you're interested in learning more about my coaching services for confused college students and recent grads, feel free to check out the Time for Coffee website under the coaching tab at time, the number four, coffee.org or text me at 202-236-5712. That's 202-236-5712. Thank you.